Welcome to the Faith Focused Free Thinking Podcast, a ministry of Ozaki Congregational Church in Grafton, Wisconsin. This is our third episode, and we're glad you're with us. Hello, I'm Jeff Larson. Welcome back to the Faith Focused Free Thinking Podcast, where we think faith is important. We reach out to that which is beyond us. We pursue meaning and purpose and hope in life and in the face of the human experience. But we also think it's important that we think. We don't just take the answers that we've been given. We're not afraid to ask the difficult questions. We're not afraid of where those questions lead us. So we're okay for people to answer those questions in different ways. We don't think that anybody has exactly the right perspective on life and faith and God and the world. We don't think that anybody has exactly the right answers to life's difficult questions. But we think the discussion is important. We think it's really valuable that we wrestle through these things and think about these things. And so we're glad you're here to do it with us. If you've not yet listened to our first two episodes, I might suggest that you do that, particularly the first one. But you're welcome to jump in with us today as we try to answer the question, what is the Bible? Here at Ozaki Congregational Church, we are a Christian expression of faith. The Bible is for us scripture. The life and teachings of Jesus are significant to us. Now, we don't think that our faith tradition is right and other faith traditions are wrong, but this is what has been meaningful for us. The Bible has been meaningful in our tradition. And so I think it's important that we ask the question, what is the Bible? But before we get there, I want to begin by introducing you to or reminding you of something that is known as the Wesleyan Quadrilateral. John Wesley, along with his brother Charles, were the founders of Methodism in uh, the 18th century. And for John Wesley, he said there were four sources through which we understand God, four ways, four avenues through which we pursue faith, four sources of doctrinal and theological development. And they were these, Scripture, Tradition, Reason, and Experience. First, Scripture. For John Wesley, Scripture was primary. It carried the most authority in terms of understanding God. Everything else was subservient to it. But then, what did church tradition say? What had been the tradition of the church or the perspective of the church on various issues over the centuries? Third, reason. What would reason tell us? God has given us minds to use. And fourth, experience. What has been our experience of life and of God, both collectively as the church and also as individuals? So that is what's known as Wesleyan's quadrilateral. And some traditions today would say along with Wesley that scripture is primary. It's the primary source through which we understand God. The Catholic tradition would say that church tradition is on equal footing with scripture, that both Scripture and tradition carry equal authority. But I think the Wesleyan quadrilateral is a helpful framework. It's a helpful way of thinking of how do we understand God? How do we, how do we approach the study of God? So I want to get back to that in a minute. But first, to begin to answer the question, what is the Bible? I want to start with the definition of the Bible that I was given as a kid. In the tradition I grew up in, if you asked that question, what is the Bible, the answer would go something like this. The Bible is the true and inerrant word of God and the final authority for the church in all matters of life and faith and practice. 
So that's the different definition I grew up with, and I think many traditions today would still subscribe to that. So I just want to think about it a little bit. What does it mean that the Bible is true? The Bible is the true and inerrant Word of God. I think if you ask people in those traditions, what does it mean that the Bible is true? I think they would say, well, it means that the Bible accurately reflects history and accurately corresponds to reality. That everything that was written in the Bible, it's not just story, it's not just myth, but it actually happened. And the Bible is true to life, that if you do the things that the Bible says to do, it will work out in the way that the Bible says it will work out. So then we would ask the question, well, is that the case? Does the Bible accurately reflect history? And is the Bible true to life? Did Jesus do and say all the things that the Bible records? Did he actually live and die and rise again? Were Abraham and Isaac and Jacob real people who led Israel in the way that is recorded? Were they actually grandfather, father, and son? Or, as the oral tradition and history of the Israelites got passed down from generation to generation, did the story morph and change so that what we have recorded today is maybe not what actually happened? At least there would be debate about that. And is the Bible true to life? Well, we know that the Bible was written at a particular time by particular people for a particular reason. And we don't apply it today in the same way that they did back then. Of the 613 laws in the Old Testament, Jews today only follow 369. Only 369 laws still apply. 126 that are positive commands and 243 that are negative commands. So obviously we apply the scripture differently. The Jews apply the law differently. And we apply the New Testament differently. Uh, the Apostle Paul tells us in Romans chapter 16 to greet one another with a holy kiss. We don't do that in our particular tradition, but there are Christian traditions around the world that still follow that command to greet one another with a holy kiss. In our tradition, we don't require women to cover their heads before they pray or, to, or men to uncover their heads before they pray, as Paul instructs us in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Although there are Christian traditions around the world that do follow those commands more literally. And I think this is true of other commands in the New Testament. The, the instructions that we apply differently today than we used to. So is the Bible true to life? I think the answer to that is, well, it depends on how you interpret it, and it depends on how you apply it. Well, what does it mean that the Bible is inerrant? I think if you ask people in those traditions, they would say, well, it means that every word of the Bible is exactly what God wanted us to have. Although they will qualify that and say, and say that that's true in the original manuscripts. The original writings are inerrant. And, of course, we don't have those original writings anymore. Uh, in fact, we don't even have copies of the original writings. We just have copies of copies. And there are differences between the various copies or the various manuscripts that we have. So the Bible that we have today is not without error. So maybe that word's just not, not helpful. Now, what about the Bible being the final authority for all matters of life and faith and practice for the church? Certainly that's true in different traditions where they appeal to the Bible for everything and the way that they interpret the Bible governs their practice. And I think that's okay. We, we need to have something to rally around. We rally around the U.S. Constitution in this country. And of course we interpret it and we amend it to make it applicable 
to today and to different situations. And I think that we do the same thing with the Bible. But I think there's a danger in giving the Bible too much authority or being too worried about getting it exactly right. Of course, there's certain traditions that, that fall into that. But I think where that leads us is in us thinking that our interpretation of the Bible is right and everybody else is wrong. And then we end up creating in-groups and out-groups based on people holding certain ideas correctly. And I just don't know that that's a, a healthy spot to be. Of course, there's some people or some traditions that will say, yeah, well, yeah, nobody has the Bible exactly right. But I have heard specific comments in more than one tradition that, well, nobody has the, exact, the Bible exactly right, that their tradition is closer than anybody else. Um, I'm not exactly sure how they know that, but I think that's where it leads us. We're right and, and other people are wrong. Now, not that there's not good ideas and bad ideas, or that some interpretations are better than others. And we, we have to be able to debate and discuss those. But I think the more authority that we give to the Bible or to our interpretation of the Bible, the more we back ourselves into a corner and make ourselves unable to consider or appreciate other ideas that also are valid or also need to be considered. I think probably the most extreme example of this would be the Westboro Baptist Church, who have created a very, very small in-group and seem unable to appreciate the perspectives or ideas of others. But what about the question, is the Bible God's Word? The Bible is the true and inerrant Word of God. Is the Bible God's Word? I used to say that I think the Bible is God's Word in a way that we don't really understand. And I guess I might still say that today, but I think that we see and experience God in a number of different places. We see and experience God in creation or in nature. We see and experience God in our relationships with one another or in the circumstances of our life. I like to say that there are things that happen in the world and happen in my life that I cannot explain better other than to say that somehow God is involved. And so I think there's many different ways in which God reveals himself to us. Here at OCC, we like to say that the Bible is a source of God's revelation to us. It's not the only source, but it has been scripture for the church. And in it, we find something helpful. In it, we find a revelation of God through a particular people that we use and interpret alongside the other sources of God's revelation. It sort of reminds me of a definition of the Bible that was given by a guy named Mike McCarg, also known as Science Mike. Years ago, he came up with some axioms, some definitions for God and faith and the Bible and Jesus. Definitions that even an atheist could agree with. And so here was his definition for the Bible. He says, The Bible is at least a collection of books and writings assembled by the church that chronicles a people's experience with and understanding of God over more than a thousand years. Even if that is a comprehensive definition of the Bible, study of Scripture is warranted to understand our culture and the way in which many people come to know God. I think that's a great definition. The Bible is at least the story of a group of people trying to understand God. And even if that's all it is, the study of it is still important. Now, is the Bible more than that? Well, I think for me, the answer to the question, what is the Bible, is a matter of faith. 
it's a matter of belief. We said last episode that to believe something is to have confidence in the truth or the reliability of something, although without absolute proof that one is right in doing so. I mean, is the Bible God's word? Does the Bible accurately reflect history? We don't really know. What does the evidence suggest? Is the Bible true to life? Well, the only way we figure that out is we apply it to our life. We interpret it and apply it and see if it works. And I think sometimes it does, and maybe sometimes we need to change the way we look at it. I mean, if the Bible is God's revelation to us, at least he has left its interpretation and its application up to us. And the best we can do is take from it what's good, what is useful, what is helpful, do our best to understand, and in a sense, not worry about what we don't, while appreciating the perspectives of those who see things differently. And we all do this. I mean, we all emphasize certain parts of the Bible, and we all overlook other parts. That's just the way it goes. Billy Graham said, It's not the parts of the Bible I don't understand that trouble me. It's the parts of the Bible I do understand. There is a lot in the Bible that it's good, that is helpful, that works. But that doesn't mean it's easy. Be kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Forgiveness is a powerful thing that, that we all need, that works in life. But that doesn't mean it's easy. Just like it's not always easy to love your neighbor as you love yourself or to do unto others as you would have them do unto you. So, I take from the Bible what's good, what is useful, what works, without worrying about understanding it all or getting it all right. Because we all approach the Bible differently. I mean, we all look at the Bible from a little bit of a different angle or a different perspective. We all come at the Bible through a set of lenses that are created by our upbringing or the tradition that we were a part of or the experiences that we've had. In fact, Richard Rohr, who is an American Franciscan priest based out of New Mexico, is a theologian and a Bible teacher. He takes Wesley's quadrilateral and puts it into a three-wheeled tricycle. He combines experience and reason. He says the sources through which we understand God or through which we pursue faith are scripture, tradition, and experience. And he says, let's be honest, the lead wheel on that tricycle is experience. We all look at the Bible differently. We all interpret the Bible differently based on the experiences that we had. That's just the way it goes, and that's okay. So, what is the Bible? For me, it is a source of God's revelation that I use as is it is helpful alongside the other sources of God's revelation. In it, I find instruction that is helpful for life. In it, I find a message of God's unconditional, self-sacrificial love for me and for all of us. And embracing that has made a difference in my life. And I think as you expose yourself to it, without worrying about getting it all right, maybe it can make a difference in your life too. So, that's it. That's episode three. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm not sure what we'll talk about next, 
but I look forward to it. Have a great Thanksgiving season. We'll see you in December.